0: This is the Heartland Daily Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This is Anne-Marie Schieber of Healthcare News, well, you know, in 2014, when Obamacare went into effect, one of the biggest concerns was that it was going to hurt the needy, who traditionally depended on Medicaid for health care. Now, under Obamacare, states were allowed to expand their Medicaid programs to able-bodied people. Now we have an actual study, examining what has happened to low-income children the disabled and the aged under expanded medicaid and i think the results are going to surprise you i am happy to have as my guest the co-author of this study which was released in december charles blauhaus is the j fish and lillian f smith chair and senior research strategist at the mercatus center at george mason university He's published many studies on public policy issues, authored several books, and has a lengthy record of service in our nation's capital, including Deputy Director of the National Economic Council under w- George W. Bush. Welcome.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So did expansion come at the expense of the needy?
0: Well, it certainly seems to have come at the expense of a certain of the needy, uh, especially low-income children and, and possibly other groups as well. Uh, But where we found the most striking and definitive effects were with respect to uh, um, low-income children. Interestingly, um, expansion states basically increased their Medicaid benefit spending per person in a way that was generally similar to states that didn't expand. So we didn't see a general drive towards economizing among states that uh, expanded Medicaid. Uh, But when you bore down and you look at uh, the allocation of that spending, what you see is some really dramatic shifts. And and the most notable of them was a dramatic ratcheting back of Medicaid benefit spending on children in states that expanded Medicaid. Uh, They slowed down the growth of their Medicaid benefit spending on children. Uh, just enormously. I mean, it it grew uh, less than one-third, about one-fourth as fast as health benefit spending grew for pretty much everybody else.
1: I want to talk to you in a second about why that happened, but I mean, what prompted this particular study and the methodology? I mean, was this something that you suspected and just now we have enough data to really take a hard look at it?
0: Well, yes. I I think uh, the last question, yes. We we didn't really have enough data to... uh, to do this study very well until pretty recently. Medicaid uh, data is, is pretty <laughs> slow to emerge, uh, and uh, you could do a whole show on the, the poor quality and timing of Medicaid data, but that, that's uh, probably for another time. But but the basic motivation for the study was simple curiosity. We wanted to know what was happening. Uh, we knew that uh, the Affordable Care Act had dramatically increased enrollment in Medicaid. Uh, about 22 percent of all adults today under the age of 65 who are in medicaid uh, are there because of the affordable care act so you have this this very dramatic increase in competition for access to health care services but there was no corresponding increase in the supply of health care services if you look mm. at you know physicians physicians what about 74 percent of them take medicaid today that's about the same as it was before expansion right so you have this dramatically expanded number of enrollees competing for a limited amount of Medicaid services. And we wanted to find out what was happening. Something had to give, and we wanted to know what, what it had to be.
1: So what it, was it about low-income children that seemed to be most impacted by this?
0: Well, that is a great question. And believe me, we, we puzzled over it, okay? Um, <laughs> and I want to be, I want to be uh, uh, conscientious here and say that what we identified was a shift in financial resources. We basically said uh, we, we, we looked at what states were spending on different groups, and we discovered that states were dramatically shifting their spending away from low income children towards other groups, and specifically the childless, non disabled, non aged adults who were the focus of the Affordable Care Act. Now, that's not quite the same thing as studying access to care, right? It, w- it would require a more sophisticated study to actually track uh, the provision of health benefits to children. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but it's certainly it's powerfully suggestive that uh, children were getting, uh, you know, a lot slower growth of their actual health benefits. They were certainly getting a lot slower growth uh, of the health spending. Now, why that was, uh, again, all we can do is speculate at this stage. Um, One point of speculation is that a lot of uh, a lot of children's health is, you know, it's preventative. It's wellness checks. It's it's you know, it's 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 it's. uh, You you do things every so often trying to keep your child healthy and on the right track. And uh, whereas a lot of spending for the disabled, for aged, a lot of that uh, probably occurs more on an urgent emergency basis, right? There's an urgent need for for a treatment or or a response right now. And and those people might wind up uh, closer to the front of the pipeline more often. Uh, it, It could be something as invisible with children as You try to get an appointment for your child instead of getting it next week, you get it the week after, right? Mm. So it's it's not anything anyone is doing on purpose, but it winds up uh, with children receiving a lot less care.
1: Yeah, and I imagine parents getting frustrated. They're dependent on someone getting them to the doctor, and if you can't get a timely appointment, you just say, well, I'll just sit this one out. Um, Exactly. And then I guess, you know, maybe 10 years we need to take a look at that population and see if that (laughs) really, really did hurt them. Um, Because so much of it's developmental, right? You know, and um, we've heard, you know, all kinds of things that have been going on even in the last two years with the pandemic lockdowns. So uh, all this is really concerning. Um, What do you suppose might have been a smarter approach to protecting uh, low-income children? And to some extent, you know, the disabled and the aged. I mean, is expanding insurance coverage to a wider group incompatible with caring for the needy?
0: Right, now that's obviously a very big question. It's obviously one where uh, people's subjective value judgments and policy views will will come into play. I I think as an analyst, I would urge policymakers to be mindful that simply expanding a government program, while it may make for a good press release, uh, isn't an end in itself, right? It's it's certainly not not a free lunch, uh, certainly not a free lunch for the taxpayer, but it's not even a free lunch for the participants, right? You can you can make more people eligible for programs, and that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone gets more care. In fact, it almost certainly doesn't mean that, right? I mean, if, if you have a program like Medicaid, that uh, there are you know, there are limits to how many uh, providers of all types take Medicaid, uh, and that doesn't magically increase just because you send out a bunch of insurance cards. So we really need to figure out how to prioritize here and, and, and say, well, not, you know, not how many cards can we send out, but how do we prioritize care and, and who are the most vulnerable populations who we need to be uh, caring for first? And, and, that, and that brings me back to another comment that you made, uh, which is but poor children certainly should be first in line uh, in this process. And if we have uh, made policy mistakes that have shortchanged them, we really should review them um and as you alluded to in your comments it's been a rough last few years for children right in terms of their health in terms of their mental health their physical health you know their development their education everything and it seems uh that not only uh were uh policies put in place over the last few years during the pandemic that probably had problematic effects on the development of children but it turns out the affordable care act also seems to have had problematic effects so Uh, we're really piling on the stressors on um, low-income children and their health, and that is bound to have uh, adverse consequences down the line.
1: Yeah, and not to mention under COVID, we made all kinds of changes to expanded Medicaid. I mean, and and we have another issue with um, improper enrollment, uh, which is also, I I suppose, putting more pressure on this program. Um, Any thoughts on waivers? I mean... Yeah, you know, we heard so much of this under the Trump administration. These really creative waivers, and now they seem to have gone by the wayside. Um, are we have we just about given up on this idea of giving states more control over how they run their Medicaid programs to be more responsive to the people they need to take care of?
0: Right. I think I'd give a, a split answer on that, in the sense that um, I mean, clearly waivers are useful in the sense that they provide states with flexibility to tailor their coverage to the needs of their specific populations and the circumstances of their states. It's very important to have that flexibility that they can seek it. Um, However, I would stress that in the current uh, Medicaid statutory regime, there's only so much good uh, waivers can do even for states, right? Because if they're, um, you know, if, if you're, if you are, if you have expanded to cover this dramatically increased population and then you say, okay, well, I also want to make sure I cover, children over here up to you know, 200% of the poverty line or this or that or whatever, uh, they might not necessarily get the care uh, that you want to provide to them uh, if, if uh, other facets of Medicaid law are, are really hamstringing your ability to provide that care. So uh, I think waivers are a very useful tool, uh, but, but we probably need a, a fundamental reassessment of what uh, Medicaid law is requiring of states to begin with uh, before they seek a waiver to uh, to cover other populations.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know the one waiver that got so much attention that has definitely have gone by the wayside is the Medicaid work requirement, uh, because right. now, I mean, we're starting to see people who find it beneficial not to work, so they can get on Medicaid, uh, which isn't good for the society at large. I I suppose should we should we revisit that? Well, you know,
0: that's an interesting question because my first thought uh, in response to it is that, um, if you're asking the question, where did, uh, spending get shifted to in expansion states, right? If, if overall their rate of spending growth was pretty similar to, to non-expansion states, and if it was being taken away in a sense from children, where was it going? And the answer was, uh, childless, non-aged, non-disabled adults, right? And these are generally, um, people you think of as, as being able to be part of the working population. So there probably is an overlap of, of um, issues there, right? I mean this is, this is basically a, a, a substantial redirection of resources away from uh, Medicaid's uh, historically eligible population, poor pregnant women, poor children, uh, poor aged, poor disabled, towards um, able-bodied, childless, non aged non-disabled adults above the poverty line. Uh, and that's where we saw um, – it was very interesting. We actually saw the biggest increases uh, per capita for that population, uh, even among the elements of that population that were eligible before the Affordable Care Act. Hmm. So for whatever reason, the Affordable Care Act has really uh, precipitated a, a dramatic shift of resources in expansion states away from poor children towards r- higher-income childless, able-bodied adults.
1: So when you set out to do this study, um, did you have an anticipation of how things were going to unfold and were there any surprises uh, aside from your big finding that low-income children were, were really hurt by this? Well, yes, there were, there were some other surprises
0: and some, some leads I think we need to follow up on in the future. One of the other um, things that we noticed was a very dramatic reduction in expansion states in the uh, numbers of uh, enrolled disabled. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a strange thing to see because um, there hasn't been that sort of diminution in the non-expansion states, and there hasn't been that sort of diminution of the disabled population in other programs like social security disability, for example. The question is why would this be happening in expansion states? Now, there have been rumors for a while that states have been You know, somewhat purposely uh, misclassifying their population, uh, the disabled population, as childless, non-disabled adults in order to get the higher match rate, the higher federal match rate under the Affordable Care Act. And certainly the data we see is consistent with that. We don't know whether that's occurring, but it it was certainly something that made our eyebrows go up. So, yes, we did see some other uh, things that were striking and surprising. Um, As to whether or not we were um, surprised in general, I I don't think we were surprised to see some type of effect. We we knew there had to be some type of effect of some kind because you can't increase the enrollment population by 22% and have nothing happen. But I do think we were surprised at specifically what it was. I don't think think either of us anticipated uh, it was going to come uh, from low-income children as specifically as it did.
1: Well, it's all very interesting and uh, certainly something we we really do need to keep an eye on uh, now that we have this information and sort of, you know, all these lofty ideas of ensuring everybody, now we really know what that means. So we do appreciate your work. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Charles Blauhaus, for coming on the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: All right. And I will also link to the study and we'll have an article on it in our next healthcare news. And thank you listeners for tuning in. Share the podcast if you enjoyed this discussion and become a regular subscriber to the Heartland Daily Podcast. Uh, That way you can get fresh content on free market solutions on a wide variety of policy areas daily. This is Anne-Marie Sheeper.